Welcome to the Edible Alpha podcast series, your source for actionable insights for making money in food. The Edible Alpha podcast is hosted by the Food Finance Institute, where our mission is to help food businesses raise the money they need to grow. Through our podcast, FFI staff talks to a wide range of stakeholders about what it really takes to grow a financially viable food or farm business. Well, welcome, everybody. Um, my name is Brad Rostowski with uh, the Food Finance Institute. I'm the fellow's um, our Food Fellows Program Manager, so we run uh, a business accelerator, um, and we have actually a, a new format this year. We're going to have two food and beverage cohorts um, that are going to be six months long, and then we're going to have another cohort of 15 companies uh, for a value-added agriculture, so companies, uh, farms that are looking to either create a brand or maybe do some, some different types of venues um, on their farm or have a store farm. Um, Farm, farm, store, um, and um, and then we have a third one that's a, a cohort that will be being put together for people that are looking to expand or their uh, their processing and manufacturing capabilities and or have new technologies for the food and beverage space. So um, look forward to uh, uh, please keep an eye out from the Food Finance Institute if you're a bit, one of those businesses looking to grow a business um, um, should be coming your way should be announced actually this week. So um, today we're going to talk about um, sweet peas um, pies um, in Mayville and, and, and Rachel Smith, who, uh, who is the founder of that company, and, and talk about um, what, one, what brought her to Wisconsin, and two, a little bit about her business and her growth plans and, and things, lessons she's learned along the way. So um, with that, I'm going to turn it over to Rachel. Rachel, why don't you introduce yourself and let, let people know a little bit about you and, and, you know, and your business, and, and then we'll go from there, okay? Awesome. Yeah, so my husband and I, we bought a building in Mayville last October. Um, and we had been doing pies on a small scale in Minnesota, but really wanted to find a place where we could scale up and also live at the same place. So we'd been looking for like three years and then we came into this town just like on a little vacation with my daughter. And we stopped at a coffee shop next door. And then we went on to Port Washington and Cedarburg and brought my husband back a month later. And we found this property for sale by owner, made an offer the next day, <laughs> and really honestly started renovations like the day we bought the building. So yeah, it's been pretty amazing. That's cool. So, want to talk a little bit about sweet peas pies, and so you know exactly sort of what you know sort of what's uh, a little bit about them. You know what sets you apart. What's your what's your value proposition for the marketplace? So, kind of the backstory is that um, I started making pies with my grandma and different cookies and cakes and stuff with my other grandma, and from earliest memories, always wanted to sort of have like a shop that would that would be baked goods but not like a bakery more of like I drew a picture when I was pretty young of a yellow farmhouse with a porch and that was like the the bakery so something that would be different and unique and then I've just pretty much been home taught I I didn't really go to any culinary school um but we started in 2009 doing just take and bake pies um, we delivered to one meat market in our town in Minnesota. And that really was sort of a very long market research project, I guess you would say. So it started out just me, then my husband helped. 
then, you know, if busy seasons, we'd pull in this or that person. And what we discovered was there really was a very strong market for pies that were made from scratch, handcrafted. Um, and we didn't use any pie fillings, right? So we just use frozen fruit and then put a slurry of like a thickener and a sweetener, but not too much. So you really taste the fruit. It's more like what you would find maybe at an apple orchard or something like that. And we discovered that once people found it, tasted it, um, they just loved it. It would tell all their friends about it. So that's really what we do here. Um, a lot of people call us a bakery, but I really, I call us a treat shop because mm -hmm. you're going to maybe just find what we felt like baking that week. <laughs> so, um, mm -hmm. it's a little different. Like you're not going to necessarily walk in and find a whole slew of traditional bakery items, but whatever cake we were making that week or, you know, one week somebody brought us in peaches. So that week we had peach pie. So, um, but definitely people can recognize that handcrafted, not a lot of machines involved. Um, they love it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about your business model. I mean, I know you, you and I just actually just met over the last year or so. Um, you know, as you, I think you were just buying or just bought your, your place in Mayville. And, uh, and so, you know, I got to know you a little bit and, and whatnot. And, and so there was a, and, and, and you've been work, you know, we've worked together on a couple of different adventures, um, over, you know, in that short <laughs> period of time. Um, you know, and I guess, you know, a big, a big part of what I know we do at the food finance Institute, whenever we talk with a business and work with the businesses, make sure we, we work with them on their business model first. You know, it's easier to figure out, you know, streams of revenue, things you, you want to do, you don't want to do, I mean, which is as important as what you want to do um, and such. And, and uh, you know, so to make sure companies look at their business model and say, yep, this is the right combination of things that's going to get me from where I need to, where, you know, my idea to market and then to be able to leverage it and grow it. So talk a little bit about your business model. I mean, I mean, I would say your streams of revenue that you're working on and what you're, you know, what you're doing today versus where you see it in the next three years. Yeah. And we did a class, the food finance Institute. Can you remind me what that, it was a forecast. Yeah, that team. was scenario. It was basically, it was, well, it was a scenario plan. And yeah. And, you know, and, and you were one of the earlier companies in, in that process. Normally scenario planning is, been heavily. I mean, I've done it. You know, as a Sargento, we we you know we brought in Boston business consultants, and and we did a big scenario planning session that took months. <laughs> um, you know, and had large chunks of the company engaged in it. Um, this was something we did in three days. All right. Yep. Um, and <laughs> it's a process intense. that we we've yeah that we adopted with with uh, with a consultant, David uh, uh, Eric Deluca. You know, from from Vermont. He's a uh, one of a one of the uh, actually now one of our uh, experts in residence. Um, he's helping work on our, oh. uh, uh, our basically with our cons consultant training uh, programs. Okay. Um, but Eric, Eric has done uh, scenario planning over the years, um, you know, with various companies, and uh, we we've, we collaborate with with 2020 happening. All of a sudden, companies go, "What do I do?" <laughs> and right. I said, "Well, it sounds like time for scenario." My, you know, I, my my response was. To the, to the company that first came to me on that, which was like, you know, on, on, I don't know, I'm going to say it's March 15th, 2020, when the yeah. world shut down. And uh, and he, uh, I said, sounds like a time for scenario planning. And and so between Tara, Eric, and then Tara introduced me to Eric and Tara and Eric mm -hmm. and I um, sort of fostered this three-day immersion pro program and that you went through. And, and honestly, as I said, I know when I, when I, when you, I called you up, I said, 
I knew you had a lot of things on your plate. And I thought, well, yep. you know what? <laughs> you know, even though you're early, even though you're early, you know, um, I thought it would be good exercise, and you proved me. You proved me correct. You were one of our yeah. superstars, as far as I'm concerned. Um, you really were able to put your head around all the moving parts you had. You know, the, the yep. driving forces, the predetermined elements, the critical uncertainties, and create scenarios that uh, Rachel could, you know, sweet peas pies could navigate to get to market. Um, so, yeah. you know, and I said a big element of that was some, you know, what's your business model look like and what are the key drivers that, you know, you needed to navigate through um, to be able to do that. So I don't know, why don't you share a little bit of some of your thoughts coming into that session and then coming out of that session? Yeah. So when we started in Minnesota, um, my husband and I were still working full time. Our kids were about ready to enter. Oh, they were pre-high school, I guess. Um, and there were a you know, we just brought one pie to one meat market and we had previous restaurant experience, but we knew we didn't want to do retail. That was just too big of a commitment. We needed something where we could manage our schedule um, just because we had so many commitments. So we had a licensed kitchen that was very, very, very small. And after work or on weekends, we just made everything to order. Um, I set up a really primitive website, but the majority of our business was, like I said, just that single meat market. Um, and over the years, people, it became a destination. Like they would come to get our pie. They became familiar, knew it, loved it, and the sales just grew and grew. So that was originally our concept when we were looking for the next facility because we knew we needed like a walk-in freezer, different things that just where we were at, there wasn't the space for it. It wasn't practical, reasonable. And we did everything cash, really slow, no pressure, no advertising, just kind of let it take whatever shape it was going to take. So when we got to Mayville, we actually originally intended to do the same thing, strictly wholesale manufacturing, take and bake pies to meat markets, convenience stores, and the like. The building that we bought happened to kind of be like sort of this fondness everyone in the town and a lot of people in the county um you know even as we reached out to the WEDC people knew the building and everybody was like oh my gosh you bought that building are you going to renovate it are you going to let us inside again you know we started to hear the voices of the people in this area say that they wanted to come back inside the building and then at the exact same time the ice cream shop in town across the street literally the day that we bought the building, they closed their doors and they'd been open three years and they were selling a Madison based ice cream that we were already familiar with there. It's in our town too, in Minnesota. So we kind of talked and that was the first of many changes of our business model <laughs> because we realized that we would really get the support of the people of the community in a much different way if we heard their request for retail. So um, we actually applied for a Kiva loan. And what we basically just put out there to test the waters is we basically said to the community, look, if you want us to put in the time and the energy to renovate this building to the level that you can come inside, we just need you to partner with us financially. And so the Kiva loan went through, it was fully funded. And yeah, we had so many people in town that volunteered that donated time and just different skill sets and things that you know because we moved from Minnesota so we mm -hmm. we knew 
how to do it, but we just didn't have the resource base like when you've lived somewhere for a long time. So, so yeah, that was the first change to our business model where we thought we were just strictly going to do wholesale. We added this retail element. Um, so we opened the doors to the public in September. The second thing that we added, we had kind of by accident stumbled on fundraisers. So we kind of now, to speak to income streams and business model, we have the wholesale model where we sell to meat markets and to restaurants. We have the fundraising, which I'm actually in the middle of a project management class for my master's degree. And mm -hmm. I was able to take our business as a case study for this um, semester. And so I'm going through to see if fundraisers actually make sense. You know, we just got mm -hmm. done doing 1,600 pies for only two fundraisers, half of which we drove back mm -hmm. to Minnesota. And we just need to know, are we actually making money or are we, mm -hmm. you know, just a lot of labor? And in the end, we know for sure we broke even, but we just need to make sure it makes sense. So that was in a way mm -hmm. that fundraiser that we did here was really a great advertisement. They, mm -hmm. you know, obviously they sold 800 pies they spread the word real quick that we were in town. So, mm -hmm. um, and then our third stream of income being that retail, we only right now have our doors open Thursday through Sunday because we just are manufacturing the rest of the time. So does that kind of mm -hmm. answer your question? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. So, I mean, as you know, so now it's moving forward because ultimately I said, you know, some of the business model work that we do with, with clients is, is just, it's just that is that this is what you're doing. Some people like say that, you know, they need to have a retail front in order to make enough money to survive, you know, oh, in the short term. Um, but they but they don't have they don't have the skill sets. Right. Um, or they don't want well, to, you know, that kind of thing. You know, they're not no. necessarily retail people. Um, and and so if they don't want to do it, you know, that's hard. You know, now what do you do? Then you have to be able to find some people to work with you. Maybe if you're not going to have that that retail, I'm going to say that cash that cash now type of retail. I mean, farmers now, markets and retail fronts sure. are cash now. That yeah. makes me think a little bit about the scenario planning though. Um, and I really didn't mm -hmm. speak to that and you asked me about it. So mm -hmm. yeah, we had an online presence in Minnesota, but it was very weak and it was just yeah. a very fundamental, not really even professional website. And one of the things, like you said, I, I mean, I was in the middle of moving from one state to another, helping my kids find mm -hmm. a place to live because they didn't move with us. Um, renovating the building, finding, you know, filling out paperwork for grants and um, finishing my bachelor's, starting my master's, working 40 hours a week. I did the <laughs> scenario planning, right? So, and in the meantime, we were still in production for Minnesota and mm -hmm. Wisconsin, driving pies back and forth. So we had all this stuff going on and I was really having to prioritize what I was going to do. And I knew that mm -hmm. I needed to do something about people being able to pre-order online but I could not mm -hmm. like push myself to make the leap. So after I did the scenario planning, it was brilliantly clear that that was my next step. So we did, mm -hmm. we started manufacturing here in July and prior to opening in September, we, for the exact reason that you said, just to have some cash flow coming in to help offset all our expenses, um, we did do online orders and door pickup. And it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. It brought in great mm -hmm. cash flow every week, but we didn't have to have our doors open to do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. No, as I say, it's a, you know, you, you, you were one of the, if not the earliest, I think, company that I worked with, and especially in scenario planning. But you know, usually the, a lot of the companies I deal with are, 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 you were revenue up in Minnesota, but down here you weren't. <laughs> and, uh, you know, at the time we first met anyways. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, but, but, but the same, the same principles apply. I mean, you have to look at your business model and make sure you understand, you know, you know, what, what's available to you and, and how you can grow it. I mean, it may not be the long-term model. I always re I refer to some of my past history, um, you know, Sargento, when I was there, you know, they were a big brand. All right. They didn't do private label. They didn't have any retail outlets. Back when Leonard Gentine, the founder, had it, he had a cheese counter in Elkhart Lake where he actually sold oh cheese. You, know, you, bought, you bought cheese from the local dairies and packaged it and sold it to the people coming up from Illinois. Right. Wow. And uh, and then he, you know, and then he as he started manufacturing and such, you know, and he had a plant. He actually did some, you know, grocery store retail stuff because that, that back in those days, there wasn't a lot of branded cheese other than processed cheese like Kraft, you know, and, uh, you know, and, you know, now they don't do it anymore because once again, their business model is to grow their brand. So I guess. You know, you know where you're at now is you're an early startup. Um, you know, as a I'm going to say as a Wisconsin brand, you've been doing this since 2009. But it said you, you're that was more of a, a big hobby, hobby. making money. <laughs> the way you, it was you a the, hobby. the way you were, yeah, yeah. Um, no, it and was you were doing well with it actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We yeah. It was, so well, actually, it was just all well, and that's a thing. Yes, and and I that's a lot of what I try to talk to companies is you don't realize that you've got a lot of you know one you can do R and D at you know, product development, R&D, and consumer insight work at farmer's markets, at wherever outlet you're at, because you can talk to these consumers, all right? Yeah. And meanwhile, you're making money right then and there. It's not, a, it's not an investment. Usually it costs money. You know, when I would develop products when I was at Sargento or, or Palermo's, I mean, it costs money to do that, you know, because, you know just because of they're yeah. paying me, let alone the research groups I was doing. In your case, what you're doing is you have research tools at your fingertips, um, mm -hmm. You know, you did, and, and you do a good job in this, Rachel. Naturally, you're, you got a natural sort of, uh, uh, you know, way of interacting with people that you bring it out in them and they tell you about things. Um, mm -hmm. But you can find out if they like a certain flavor or a texture or whatever. And then you, you're also, since you're the one selling it to them, you see what turns over much more often. Um, well, so, and I, I don't know if we have time, but I, I think that there's something to that, right? Like, mm -hmm. I try and be up in the front. We have nine employees now, um, and mm -hmm. like I said, we did a lot of pre-orders for Thanksgiving. We're open tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So I hear people asking for, for example, lemon meringue pie. Mm -hmm. Lemon meringue pie is my kryptonite. I quit making it <laughs> so many years ago because twice in a row for an Easter celebration, I made it and it turned to liquid. And I just said, well, mm -hmm. I don't have to make every pie that's in the recipe book. I can do what mm -hmm. I'm good at. I don't have to be everything to everybody. And I think as mm -hmm. we're navigating this retail portion and listening to all the feedback, that is one of the things that I'm really mindful of. I still need to do what I can do and what I'm sure I can mm -hmm. do well. Um, people want mm -hmm. us open retail seven days a week, but in this labor market with mm -hmm. us being brand new, with having these multiple mm -hmm. business models that we're working to perfect and find what does and doesn't work mm -hmm. for us for cash flow. You know, I'm really solid that we're only going to be open Thursday through Sunday until I'm sure mm -hmm. we c can successfully mm -hmm. add more. But this lemon meringue mm -hmm. pie was bothering and bothering me. So I took mm -hmm. my lemon bar recipe. 
I baked it in a graham cracker crust. I made a Swiss meringue and torched it on top. And Mm -hmm. I just called it my version of a lemon meringue pie. And Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. absolutely love it. And there's nothing else on the market like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and as I say, you don't get that opportunity in corporate America, honestly. I mean, because you, I mean, you you do, but I mean, they don't want to make a mistake big, you know, because usually, you know, when you go out and launch, there's thousands of, you know, retail outlets, you know, and, you know, you make a mistake and they don't like it, it's discontinued. You know, you can discontinue it tomorrow. All right. Correct. Um, and you'll find out. And, and, and well, let's put it this way. The consumers will discontinue it and you will stop making it. Um, yep. Whereas, you know, if you if you're in, in the you know, in, as you grow, that, that's where you have to learn how to get good at this, which is good. You are doing that. And and, and everybody I mean, when I say you entrepreneurs have to realize, you know, that's what they talk about. Fail fast, um, you know, so mm. that, you know, you don't repeat it because as you get bigger, you know, you, 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 won't, you don't want to repeat that failure. You know, yeah. whatever that failure is. So in this case, like I say, your failure was your kryptonite was some lemon meringue pie. Um, so instead of trying to just keep doing the same thing and having it fail on you, you yeah. sort of created the one that your version of it. And oh, by the way, you know, just because lemon meringue pie is that way. I mean, to your point, the one reason why they're difficult to make is because only a few people really know how to do it. The rest of them sort of make it and don't make a good version of it. <laughs> um, you know, and, and then they sell it anyways, because they have to, I have to have, a, I have to have a lemon meringue pie. They told me that, um, yeah. and, you know, instead of trying to figure out one that's really good that, they, you know, and to your point stands out in the market, you know, there's not another one like it, you know, that kind of yep. thing. And, and people still call it lemon meringue. You can call it lemon meringue pie. Yeah. It's lemon meringue pie because they've had bad ones and good ones, you know, and you're now in the good sets, you know? Um, yep. So it's, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's an interesting trajectory that, um, that, you know, entrepreneurs, I mean, like I said, the better entrepreneurs get it, you know, they're not going to succeed at everything and they move on. Right. Yep. Um, and then, and then the next, the next thing you do is like I said, don't repeat it, you know, yeah. um, you know, don't come back to the same one because it's not, that's why you got, that's one, one, you know, that's one of that. In fact, that's just something to learn, you know, yeah. um, corporate America does that via research. It says, does it pass or fa-? if they do a good job, does it pass or fail? Yep. It passes. Okay. Launch it. If it fails, they shouldn't just launch it just because they like it. If yeah, you that's want to say that point. there's a lot of, there's a lot of times the highest rank in the room likes it. Right. right? <laughs> and, you know, and, and that's good, but I have one data point and they're in, oh, by the way, they're usually very rich people, you know, they're probably right. male by the way too, you know, and your target audience is female and they're not as wealthy as you are, you know? So, you know, yeah, you, you're, you, you, you're, you're really not the target audience. I used to, you know, oh, when I worked funny. with corporate and entities, I would, that was, you know, I would sort of like, thank you, but you know, we really get, let's let the consumer researcher push us to it because, Honestly, they're the ones that are going to pull the dollars out of their wallet to buy it. Well, and to that point, you know, you're talking about bigger companies. Um, I try and stay up on market trends. You know, when we did that um, strategy planning session together, Mm -hmm. I had asked you for some help finding some current stuff. But like, I really firmly Mm -hmm. believe in the small guy has to work a little harder, but there's no reason why we can't Mm -hmm. benefit from what the big guy's doing, right? They have a lot Mm -hmm. of research dollars that I don't necessarily mm-hmm. have, but like if McDonald's has a flavor that's on their menu, I can pretty mm-hmm. much guarantee people are buying that flavor. Dunkin' Donuts, you know, mm-hmm. Starbucks, mm-hmm. Caribou, whatever brand you want to choose. Um, I think I was reading in some of the trade yep. magazines for bakery, lemon and blueberry are top flavors. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I don't ignore that kind of stuff, but again, I don't just yeah. push out past what I'm good at. I try and yeah. take that data, that information, visit. I visit a lot of bakeries. I see what's on their shelf. I see mm-hmm. what's selling first. How, you know, if there's something, there's not much left. I try and pay attention. And Wisconsin mm-hmm. is completely new to me. Things like Kringles and there's this some little thing <laughs> that's rolled in peanuts. I don't even know what that is. You know, like there's all yes, these things. Yeah, that, yeah. So, so I tried to, like I made a pie that had like a nod to a Kringle, right? Like I'm trying yeah. to see what, I still haven't figured out how to put a fish fry in a pie, but I don't think I'm going to try <laughs> <laughs> That's going a little what too go, far. What, what, go, what we could do is what goes well with a fish fry is sort of what you need to do. It's sort of, an old-fashioned. You know, the, the, yeah, there we go. Saying. An old-fashioned. Yeah, yeah. So, so an old-fashioned. So you know, well, I just this week brought yeah. in some pints of ice cream that we're going to sell yeah. through this holiday season in, you know, just a display freezer. Yeah. And it's supposed to taste like an old-fashioned. Yeah, there you go. Old fashioned grasshopper pie, stuff like that, you know. So, yeah, it's the supper club route. It, 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 well, especially when you look at you do your market research. And, and that's the other thing. I mean, we'll talk more about this in a second. But, um, you know, you, you what's your brand stand for, you know, and who's your target audience? And that doesn't mean you're eliminating the rest of the world. It means you've got a bullseye of 20 plus percent, you know, that those mm-hmm. they, those people are sort of committed to you. Right. Um, when mm-hmm. I say committed, you know, if they're thinking about a premium pie, they're going to come down the street to you or order online or f- pick it up at Leroy's or whatever, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, the next ring out, the next 20 percent, they may only be with you 50 percent of the time because they don't buy that many, you know, I'm going to say mm-hmm. premium products. But when they do, that's what they're looking for. Yeah. All right. And then the next ring out is a little further. And then if you get to the last ring, which is these people avoid, you know, high caloric stuff. OK, well, <laughs> <laughs> the only time and they still may they still may do it, but you know what? Very rarely, yeah. you know. Yeah. And when they do it, that they might they may still consider you because of the fact that that's that one time. But you don't want to focus your message on those people, you know. Right. You want to focus them on the, you know, and you want to focus on that attitude that when they do indulge, that they, they want to indulge in worthy calories. Um, well, and, and I think and really make uh, you know. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Well, I just think that. There's so much pressure as an entrepreneur to do everything well. Mm-hmm. I think I haven't, you know, met every entrepreneur on the planet or done a lot of research, but it just intuitively <laughs> feels to me that entrepreneurs are people pleasers, at least in some way. They like the gratification mm-hmm. of hearing somebody likes their product. And especially when talking about retail, um, you know, in our kind of product where the margin is slim and you can make some mistakes mm-hmm. in inventory that can really sink your boat early on. Um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To just, like you were talking about, know your demographic, know your target audience, be okay that you're not going to be everything to everybody and that you have boundaries and that what you do Mm -hmm. is good enough for now, even if you're going to grow later. I think those types Mm -hmm. of internal conversations happen with me at least on a weekly basis and especially when I'm in contact Mm -hmm. with customers because everybody has great ideas. (laughs) Well, I, that, say. as I say, I think that the, the latter, yeah, well, the, everybody has an idea. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean it's always great, but they have their idea right. and you have to listen to it. You know, now the question, yeah. sometimes, you know, they think they know what they want and then they, you know, then, you know, like, you know, like uh, Ford always said, you know, if I ask my consumers what they want, they'd want a faster horse, um, you know, oh. and it's like, you know, that's not true. Obviously that's not true. You know, they, you know, they, they, there was some, there was some magic about an automobile that made everybody wanted to, you know, have an automobile. 
And it wasn't, you know, there, it probably was a lot more of the dissatisfiers with, you know, they didn't have a place to put them and they had to clean up. The, my, my, we have horses. <laughs> yeah, my wife has two horses. She goes up there morning and night and then she has to muck out stalls and then we have to put up hay every year. I mean, there's things that, you know, cars don't cause. So those, un, you know, I'm going to say those, the, the, your, your, ad, your attitude is you have a car or a, a horse, you know, you know, or your behavior is I have horses. So like my attitude is I wish I didn't have to do all this work for this, you know, for this transportation. Um, you know, so if I eliminated the work, you know, and could get transportation, you know, by the way, there could be other stuff, the exhilaration of, of, of going faster than the horse, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's sort of, you know, or the, you know, Harley is another good one, having the wind in your hair and just the thrill of the adventure. You know, and that's, you know, it's, it's a faster horse, but it's also providing you someplace that horse would never go, you know? Well, and, that, and yeah, so, that's a good point <clears throat> because our niche market is really based on a dissatisfaction of people of the bakery product they can find just mm-hmm. in a classic supermarket. And a mm-hmm. lot of the, you know, the data is even showing supermarkets are figuring that out. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. are buying into premium product that has a different label and putting it on their shelf because, you know, I mean, I think that that's where you can really succeed is what do people want to be different and how can I help? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And well, as silly and, and as it sounds, yeah, I mean, that, we're, we've found that out for ourselves in a 5,000 person town. People mm-hmm. are supporting us. In a very oh, yeah. niche, yeah. you know, people say you can't be that specialized in a small town. If you're going to do bakery, mm-hmm. you have to do everything, but it's working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I say, you know, developing your business model is going to be an interesting adventure for you as, as this next <laughs> couple of years of role. I mean, I'd say, I mean, cause it, it's because one, I mean, it's sort of like, you know, Michelangelo's, you know, famous quote, the masterpiece is in there. All you have to do is remove the excess stone. You know, and, uh, you know, you know, you've got a lot of stone yet to go because you're, you know, you've only been doing this for a few, you know, for just a short while, especially in Wisconsin. Um, but, but the reality is, is that that's the kind of listening and and work and evolution that your, your model is going to have to bring. And, you know, and, and I, you know, I guess the one thing I'd, let's, let's sort of shift gears here and talk a little bit about, you know, you, you, uh, you mentioned WDC and you mentioned some of your local, um, you know, you're, you know, I, I'm not sure if you, you know, you did the Kiva loan, um, you're in, and if you've worked with any kind of your CDFIs in the, in the area, um, you know, as you felt, as you, as you built out your plan and such and worked with, uh, with, worked with those groups, I mean, why don't you explain, why don't you share just a little bit of your, um, I say, I'm going to say how you funded this and so some of the key players and, and how you worked with them. I mean, what was sort of the, you know, was the ahas, of, you know, that, you know, one that what, what worked, what didn't work and what they were looking for, things on that nature. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think our journey and I'm sure entrepreneurial journeys are unique. That's part of why we all have stories. <laughs> but, um, mm-hmm. you know, we literally in a day made a decision that this is what we had been looking for for the last three to five years. Mm-hmm. After we bought the building and we realized it needed work and the price reflected that. So we felt comfortable with, with all of that. But after we bought the building, I started reaching out to the SBDC. They kind of directed me to the WEDC, the FFI, you know, all these, we sort of started mm-hmm. making these connections and I, I just really was very persistent in making phone calls in meeting 
people in. It really took a little bit of time for me to kind of wrap my head around the fact that we had bought a historic building in a state that highly values restoration and mm-hmm. bringing those buildings back to life and was investing monetarily in that if people would like kind of partner. And I, of course, when we bought the building, we knew there was going to be work, but we only expected to bring it to a level where we could wholesale manufacture, which was a much different mm-hmm. proposal than bringing it to a retail level. Um, mm-hmm. So when we decided to do the retail is when we really started looking for partners in funding. And so we we were able to mm-hmm. get a CDI grant. Um, mm-hmm. And that that took a lot of work because we had to, you know, work with the city government and um, but I'll tell you, to me, the biggest resource of all that Wisconsin has is these great people who are investing because, you know, to take that leap and to kind of put everything on the line like my husband and I did, I think the mm-hmm. reason why we both felt comfortable doing it was as we got into the process, we saw that there were people that were there ready to help us walk side by side with us show us what was available for economic development. And so, yep, we did the Kiva loan, which, I mean, that was mm-hmm. just amazing. Um, And I think we'll probably use that as a resource moving forward whenever we're ready to do more projects because it does mm-hmm. involve the community at such a high level. Um, I just, mm-hmm. it's so great. And then the CDI grant. Oh, we also entered a competition for um, a matching funds storefront makeover. Mm -hmm. Um, we placed in the top five and we didn't get it because our timetable was just wrong, you know, Mm -hmm. for when we would be opening, there Mm -hmm. was too much work to do, but Mm -hmm. the, the media attention we got from that, Mm -hmm. again, it just like took us to this whole different level than just, you know, somebody Mm -hmm. who was going to come on the scene without anybody knowing who they were way before we were even open. We had people knowing we were coming. So, so Mm -hmm. obviously the, we had our city and the state of Wisconsin partnered with us on the CDI grant, which was a matching funds. The city here of Mayville has a facade grant, which is a matching Mm -hmm. funds. We had the Kiva loan. Mm -hmm. And then our city here in Mayville also has a revolving loan fund for businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a super Mm -hmm. low interest five-year loan. So we haven't gotten that Mm -hmm. yet, but that's still in the works. Um, mm-hmm. early next year, we'll, we'll get into that as well. Good, good. Yeah. So it's, you know, I, I bring it up cause I know you've done some of this work and I think people should really realize that. I mean, I, I, like I say, I always remind people, I, you know, when, when I talk about, and they, I talk a lot about a lot of my big business exposure and, 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 you know, we had, we had self-contained finance units, <laughs> you know, I, you know, the, you know, the CFO was along for the ride during, when I say along for the ride, Obviously, they were part of the decision. Hey, let's go look in this area. But as we developed the business plan, they saw it develop and evolve. All right, you know. And then, and then when it came time to say yes, let's fund this, they were already saying yes. All right. And mm. and round it was you know most of, most of the big businesses you know when they look at a ten million dollar advertising campaign or such, you know that sounds like a lot of money to everybody, right? To them, if you're already a you know multi you know if you're almost a billion dollar company, that's almost a rounding error in your in your working capital. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 so, you know, but they make the decision, you know, it's still a big decision and they've been there all along. They make the decision with you. They say yes. Right. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's a different gravity to navigate, obviously. 
right? Mm-hmm. But when you're by yourself, you know, you don't realize that one, you got to bring the team along with you, all right? And their team is not a dedicated team like the CFO of a, a big company and his accountants sure. and all of his finance people. Your 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 team is, you know, is a, a, a mash of WEDC, you know, SBDC, um, you know, Mayville, uh, the CDFIs, Kiva. I mean, that, that's your financial team. Right? Yeah, and, and we were fortunate and, and to have a bank on board too. And yeah, I think that's exactly. just because of the equity in the building. You know, that that is yeah. something that I think yeah. especially food um, entrepreneurs yep. should consider. When you rent, yes. you have a much different financial picture to a banker than when you own the property. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you do want to find banks that that really know how to play in the food space. Um, yep. Not every bank does, honestly. Right. And, uh, um, you know, I, I know you've been working with Exonia and they're, they're really good and, and they do get it. You know, yeah, I think do. people should just realize, you know, you go in and you interview a bank, even though you're asking for money <laughs> and you want their support, whatever, you got to make yes. sure that they understand you too, because you don't want them to all of a sudden get nervous and, 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 and call your loans, you know, and, or limit your cash flow through your line of credit, uh, well, you know, because they just you know, don't get was- your business model. And that was something I don't think I realized at first, right? Everything was happening Mm -hmm. so fast and there was a lot of pressure to, people didn't know us, you know, convince them that we were legit, that we would follow through on our promises. This building had somebody who had promised for five years they would do ice cream and just, you know, things in life happened and they couldn't. So the town was Mm -hmm. a little bit jaded um, (laughs) and we had to Mm -hmm. deal with, you know, that Mm -hmm. past reputation. But we did interview three different banks and looking mm-hmm. backwards, something I would say is if a bank is at all nervous, walk away. Mm-hmm. Don't try and convince yeah. them of anything. Yeah. So of the two mm-hmm. that were interested, I think it might have been four that we interviewed. Of the two that were interested, when I talked to the banker at Exonia, he he mm-hmm. was part of a Main Street development program. He was part of a chamber mm-hmm. of commerce. He was. We could sit down and when we said something, it clicked. And there was a really a yeah, deep understanding. He could finish your us. sentences, basically. Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 And that yeah, really yeah. has proven to be because some of our funding, you know, when you do those CDI grants or those kinds of things, you don't get the money right away. And so mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. kind of got a little bit, not caught, but like we had to kind of figure out some temporary funding and a gap funding. And our bank really stepped alongside us and helped us with that. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I say it's a, you know, you're, you're, you're on a, on an early phase of things, but uh, you're doing a lot of the right things. That's why I've enjoyed working with you. It's like, you know, it, it, you're, even though, you know, like I say, it, it, you, you're, you've got a lot of growth to go ahead of you guys, but um, you're doing a lot of, you've got a lot of really good business behavior. So appreciate it. I always, I always like to reward good behavior. Um, you know, it's like, you do, uh, because you know, you don't, well, plus like I say, you don't always see it. I mean, a lot of times people, they believe that they get, they, you know, they've done some, they've done great work and they have, but once again, yeah. if you don't have partners that understand what you've done, it's a big difference, you know? Yeah, that's and that's, true. that's, you know, it's a lot about developing relationships and partnerships and you're doing, and you guys are doing that. Um, so I want to, you know, I was going to, uh, I was going to switch gears a little bit uh, based on, you know, as, in, in your early phase of things. One of the things I know that we spent a lot of time on in the scenario planning session back in, I can't remember when that was, but I think it was in April or something on that nature. Um, 
you know, you were concerned about workforce. You know, and, yeah. and lo and behold, everybody in the world is worried about workforce these days, it sounds like. Um, and so that was almost locking you up a little bit on what, what to do, what to do. So why don't you share a little bit of, you know, coming your, your, your incoming thoughts and then your departing thoughts. You had, a, you had sort of a transformation in that, in that arena. And you said you've got nine employees now, which congratulations, by the way. I mean, that's, yeah. that's some huge, I mean, those are, those are the kind of things that, by the way, WEDC and anybody in the economic development world wants to hear is that, my God, you are now a key player and you were zero before. Um, yeah. you know, so that, that's, that's just an amazing growth number and, and congratulations to, on what you've done. And now like I said, I know it was an issue for you then. So why don't you share a little bit, um, um, you know, where you were, I'm going to say in March, April, you know, mm-hmm. to here we are about six, what, nine months later, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and what, you know, now why you're pretty, I would say you're pretty confident in this area. Yep. So we did, um, we had a situation where we were about a week out from finishing our, you know, just wrapping up our, that 800 pie fundraiser that had to go to Minnesota. And then we were just jumping into prepping for our Thanksgiving pre-sales. And I had two employees that had to quit due to some kind of tragic personal circumstances. So they didn't quit without notice. And then I had one employee get COVID. That, You know, the only thing I could do was just step back and say, I think we can still perform on our promises, Mm -hmm. but I still have to go to bed at night. I still have to get up in the morning (laughs) and (laughs) I can only do what I can do. And I will just have to roll with the punches, stay in really good communication. If something goes Mm -hmm. south, you know, um, I tried actually to hire like three more people and they all said yes. And then something else happened. So it hasn't been without its challenges, right? And even I, mm-hmm. you know, here in Mayville, there's no mask mandate, but everybody coming mm-hmm. back from Thanksgiving, I kind of have been thinking about, do we want masks for a couple of weeks? So being an employer is something that definitely puts you in a much different position to be thoughtful mm-hmm. to, you know, how do, you, how do I manage this? But, and I'm still have some steps that actually I'm going to work on next week. Um, I did reach out to the University of Wisconsin and applied mm-hmm. to be part of their um, work study program for their students. And I mm-hmm. did get approved um, because of the type of work that we do. We really make sure that we're taking time in training and mentoring. I have mm-hmm. different things that I would, um, you know, help the entrepreneurs that are interested in those programs. So we, I just have to post to their job board and I can start hiring mm-hmm employees from their pool. So that was critical mm-hmm. step. And then mm-hmm. I did also last week reach out to um, Dodge County Economic Development mm-hmm. Coordinator, and he put me in contact with the high schools in Horicon mm-hmm. and Mayville. So I'm doing some emails back and forth to find out about their workforce development. You know, who do they have as a resource pool of their mm-hmm. kind of top end students there that we could work if we promised to do some soft skill development, those kind of things that we could really kind mm-hmm. of become a premier employer in the area for the workforce development. And then mm-hmm. what I unexpectedly mm-hmm. found out is because I'm a small manufacturer and, you know, I, when I was doing my research, I think it was something like 80% of Mayville workforce is manufacturing. Well, I didn't mm-hmm. realize we have this group of, like maybe stay at home moms 
They need to be able to work between 10 and 2. I can really do my shifts to convenience them, and I capture sort of this market of people that have been looking for jobs and can't find them. Because in our Mm -hmm. area, it's just those first, second, third, or fourth shifts, whatever traditional Mm -hmm. manufacturing is. So we have been able Mm -hmm. to to be creative and find some niche ways to – I actually have four – applications right now because I just posted a job again because of like those transitions and I had a Mm -hmm. fifth person call me. So yeah, within a really short amount of time, we're kind of starting to become noticed and people want to work here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I say, I know when we were were going through this scenario planning, you were very concerned about getting people to work and, you know, not to work, but find people to work in Mayville, Wisconsin. Um, you know, and it's not that you're out in the middle of nowhere, but you're far enough away from things that it's not like I'm going to drive to Mayville for, to go to work at Sweet Peas, you know, that kind of thing. You know, I don't even know who Sweet Peas is, you know, that kind of thing. And, and I know we, so that was, and it was, and it was, I I could see how I personally could see how it'd be paralyzing, um, a little bit as you're starting a new business. Um, and you know, it's not, it's, and one thing, it's not like you guys knew everybody in Mayville either. Um, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, well, I can remember when we first talked, I thought, well, this is interesting. This is good. This, and, and I know we, 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 we sort of talked you into like, sort of look, reached out to the workforce development offices because you know, they're going to be, they're there. All right. Um, yeah. and, um, you know, and it's just, it was like, I can remember then by the time you left the scenario planning, you were like, the, the one advantage you, you do have is you are an entrepreneur. Um, you could share some of that. And, and I, I shared this with an earlier podcast, but, you know, I tell you what, you're on to something here because, you know, when I was with Fab Wisconsin, we did this um, uh, Farm Factory Fork, a career exploration event. Um, we, and it, they still do it every year. They do it. Um, it's a really good, you know, thing because it's, jobs are very fluid in, the, in, in, in food and beverage. I mean, between retail, yeah. I waited tables. I worked at Oscar Mayer as an engineer, worked at Sargento as an engineer, I went into marketing at, at Sargento, you know, and then I've done consulting work. I mean, you can do a lot of different jobs in food and beverage. And so that's what mm-hmm. Fab has, has, has put a program around. And we, in, in one year, we had Giacomo Faluca from Palermo's Pizza. We had Louis Gentine, CEO of Sargento's. Um, we had, uh, we had uh, Katie Wessel, who is the CEO of Milwaukee Pretzel, one of our startup, one of the FabCap company mm. startups. Um, then we had Tur- uh, Truman McGee, another, you know, FabCap small business in the Milwaukee area. And then we had somebody from uh, Carrie Ingredients, one of their executive vice presidents. And 25 students got up and asked questions to this panel. All 25 questions are about how to start a business. Not how to come, how can I get a job at Sargento? How could I get a job at, at Palermo's Pizza? You know, that sounds like a fun job, you know. Um, nobody asked a question about how to get a job. Everybody asked a question about how to start a company. Yeah. You know. And I thought that was very, I mean, when I grew up, that's not the way it worked. You know, you went to work at Oscar Mayer. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that was that was the, the Cadillac of jobs, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, but people don't think like that as much as they, they're not as hardwired as they used to be like that. Um, they, mm-hmm. If they could learn about entrepreneurship and, you know, and if you can be, you are an entrepreneur. So it's a reason to believe that, that I'd learn something about yeah. Um, so that was that was, you know, when you when you hit when you when you sh- sort of got that epiphany to that level and you start exercising that part of it. Um, and then and I'm glad to hear your results, by the way, um, 
that it does work. You know, you're, you're, you, the trend is your friend. Um, even though, you know, once again, the, the, the labor pool in Mayville is not the same as the labor pool in Milwaukee. Um, but, you know, in, in both, both good and bad, you know, obviously exactly. it's not as many people in Mayville, but, you know, the people that are focusing, you know, you, you want, and, you know, Matt, Milwaukee, you know, the, the bad part in Milwaukee is there's a lot of job competition and, you know, and yeah. then there's people that, you know, you know, it's just, so anyways, it's, it's, uh, it's good. It's a good model that I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that it's worked out for you. Yeah. Um, we have growth. We have growth let, in that field. Yeah. Too, oh mean. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and the thing is people, once you, once you create, um, I'll use Milwaukee pretzel as an example for you guys is that, um, Milwaukee pretzel, you know, as, you know, as they've grown, they've focused on their culture. All right. And giving people responsibility. All right. You know, and they can give them, you know, it's not all about the money while they do get more money if they do well. Right. Um, but it's, it's about responsibility and engagement and sort of being part of the growing, this growing business. All right. You know, now you're part of something. All right. And you don't always get that feeling. I'm going to say in in every business and especially as businesses get larger, it's hard to, unless you have that culture established, it's hard to have people believe you, you know, that you're part of something bigger. Right. Um, and, and you have that as a smaller company, you'll have that now. And I'll use keep with Milwaukee pretzel. Now. They're getting to be a bigger company. They just purchased mm-hmm. a nice 20 some thousand square foot plant on the north side of Milwaukee. Um, and they're growing. In fact, I saw their Bavarian beast pretzel at, at, at Woodman's yesterday. Um, you know, and so they've done really good pivoting from their food service world into, into retail grocery. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and so they're getting, they've got a lot of upside potential and I know they are focused on keeping their culture. Right. And, and making people understand that they're part of something bigger than, than, you know, just their work at, you know, just showing up for work. That's not what it's all about. It's about being something about part of something bigger. So, uh, you know, and that's, that's how you can get them and then you can retain them for at least a few years, that kind of thing. And if they move on, they move on, which is most likely going to happen. People, this day and age, it's not like everybody, when I joined Oscar Meyer, when I got out of college, (laughs) I thought everybody was there was 30 year employees. You know, I mm. thought for sure I was going to retire. I was going to retire there. And what I lasted and I was there for eight years, you know, I was going to say, I think timer. three years is the average right now. <laughs> yes. It is. Well, it really it is. is. Yep. And in yeah. food industry, no, I'm it sure is. it's shorter, but you know, when we well, were, I don't, uh, yeah, I think go ahead. Well, we were like a month out from moving full time from Minnesota and we had owned a coffee shop cafe and an outlet mall, which interestingly enough, is there an outlet mall in Janesville or Johnsonville? Or yeah. Yeah. There's one John, uh, Johnson's Creek, Johnson Creek. Yeah. There's a big so one in when, Johnson Creek. Yep. When we were getting ready to open that retail cafe, we came and met the people here in Wisconsin at Johnson Creek, looked at their cafe, talked mm-hmm. about being partners. So that's funny that we ended up in Wisconsin, but um, mm-hmm. I was sitting at a, waffle house or something i don't remember and the waitress came up to me and she said you're rachel aren't you i was like oh my gosh who are you <laughs> she said i i don't know if you remember me but you were my first employer and i want to tell you you like changed my life and i remember working mm-hmm. for you and it was just such a great experience and i just sat there floored because mm-hmm. you know it's just it's just a food job but we mm-hmm. really do want to 
however long people are with us, if they find something better, we wish mm-hmm. them the best. Um, if life moves mm-hmm. them on, we wish them the best. But while they're here, mm-hmm. we want to learn together, grow together, invest mm-hmm. something that mattered to their life. And I do think creating that as a culture, even when and mm-hmm. if we get to the spot where we're not here day to day operations, finding those people mm-hmm. that will stand in our shoes that feel that same way. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that that's a really important part of keeping turnover down. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, I do too. I mean, you got to be part of, like say, when, when, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll like, I can go the, the other side, like say the 30 year side versus the three year side. There is Oscar Mayer. I, I, I belong to an Oscar Mayer alumni association. I was only there for eight years, but you know, I, one, I have contacts. I have quite a few of them. Um, yeah. and you know, and we have a Facebook page in the whole nine yards. Um, oh and, and, you know, yeah, no, it, it, it happens. And, you know, now it, it very rarely does it happen for 30 years anymore. All right. You know, so, but that, that doesn't make it bad. It just means it's different. All right. Um, and, and embrace that difference to your point, create a culture that people eventually, you know, you know, you know, you'll find out, you know, like, uh, you know, there people will want to start staying, you know, and you'll mm-hmm. get to be, if you get to be, Let's say you get to be your, you know, sweet peas pies and you've got a nice manufacturing plant in Mayville, Wisconsin. I'm going to say not, not your retail outlet. You've outgrown right. that. You know, yeah. you know yeah. it's still a retail outlet and it can be an iconic little place for you guys. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, stuff like that. So, I, you know, let's let's pivot on that and, and talk a little bit about that. So, you know, let's let's look out three to three. You know, I think you and I've talked about three years, three years, three mm-hmm. years. Um, mm-hmm. It's sort of a business idea. So you prove it out in the first three years, you grow it in the next three years, and then you get to be bigger in the next three years. That's sort of a, uh, I've lifted that from my friends at, at, at Milwaukee Pretzel, Katie and Matt had sort of that ment- mentality of, of mm. growth. And they're now in their, 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 they're in their, they're in their third three years as their expansion into their new plant. Um, mm. So, and you're, you're, you're sort of, you know, in, I'd say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to discount your hobby years up in Minneapolis. Um, oh, yeah. So you're, you're pr- <laughs> not going to, not, nothing against Minneapolis <laughs> hobbies, hobbies, but, but as a business, um, you know, you're, 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 you're in your first three years of what you're doing um, as Sweet Peas. Um, you know, what's the next three years look like? Well, let's see. I'm trying to remember what you said. The first three years is to <laughs> your business model. <laughs> yeah, to prove your business model out. So you're sort of in the you're you're in the throes of doing that. So and yes. if it's successful, you're going to do this in the next three years. I mean, you sort of think you know you you know what you want to do necessarily, and, and you see yeah. the trajectory. What does that look like in in and say years three through six? Well, I think it it I kind of feel like there could be two possibilities. We could either, mm-hmm. like you said, um, need to expand. So whether we, and you and I have talked about, in especially in that scenario planning, like what does distribution mm-hmm. look like? Do we mm-hmm. do it? Do we hire somebody else to do it? Do we stay just in Wisconsin, Minnesota? So I think some of that is still so unknown. Um, mm-hmm. boy, I'm faltering on this question big time. That's all right. <laughs> I wasn't well, that, ready for this quiz. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, part of it is this, that I, I always say, if you don't have a plan, any road will take you there. All right. Um, and so, you know, the, the thing that you want to probably do then is this, is that like we did in the scenario planning, you know, and a three and a three, you know, what we do with companies, you know, and both my accelerator and just anytime I talk to people about their businesses is that, 
we look at a three-year time horizon, all right? So we forecast your business for three years. And you can say, that's sort of hard to do, you know? Yeah, I get that. <laughs> if it was easy, everybody would be doing it, number one. But but number two, it's like, if you, like say, it forces you to sort of put a stake in the ground. That doesn't mean in year two and three, you're not going to be executing everything. You're rigidly set. It means you've got a plan for it. And then if all of a sudden it unfolds, that something caught like a COVID hits, you have to pivot. You know, you need cash now and conserve cash until you can get past this, right? Um, but but what you want to do is start looking at at a three-year time horizon um, and that you can see your business growing. And if you can't see it growing profitably, then you, maybe you need to adjust your business plan. Mm, you know, sure. maybe your business model, your business plan. You know, so 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 I guess if you're if you keep that in mind, you know, what mm-hmm. what does sort of three year sort of growth cycle look like for you that you gotcha. see it's it's a possible you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. How's yeah, that now I do. Yeah. So so I think this three years is really figuring out whether or not we can find a profitable mm-hmm. model for fundraisers. I'm in the middle mm-hmm. of that right now. Um and I, I think within three years we'll know well, hopefully within a year we'll know do we shut that mm-hmm. part of the business down or have we found a way mm-hmm. to make sure that it's making money? Um, so within this mm-hmm. three years, I think it will be the fundraisers. And then we kind of have a radius that we want to not saturate, but you know, within every so many miles, find a meat market. Mm-hmm. So that's really this three years is establishing our wholesale capacity. Mm-hmm. And then I think that that's going to let us understand what we need for staff and equipment and manufacturing and whether or not we want to go into grocery stores. So I mm-hmm. would say the next three year would be pitching to grocery stores if we've decided that that's what we want to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the, it, it, the three years uh, after yeah. that, <laughs> the three years after yeah. that, I would want to honestly take what we've done in Mayville with this historic property and find Mm -hmm. several other communities where we can establish this kind of an iconic location. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's too small. So when you say that, no, no, that's not small. Well, that's not small at all. Although that, like I said, it's a little bit of a franchise model then. And that's, 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 you know, I don't, I don't hear that too often. Although that's not a bad idea, honestly. So don't, don't, there's no such thing as a bad idea. Now what happens is there's executional steps. You have to find more Rachel's to run those. Right. Um, Correct. You know, know, locally anyways, you know, to do all the outreach work that you did. So maybe your, your children might be ready to do that. And in in the North, you know, in the Cedarburg market, like you were talking about, maybe Cedarburg for um, sure would be hot. Yeah. Yeah. But But if you uh, think about this, um, let's say that we start doing this nine years from now. My hope is you mm -hmm. had talked to me about a guy. I don't know if he did a fish market or what his gig was a Mm -hmm. deli, but he would take employees who had been with him, stuck with him, had done entrepreneurial training with him, and he would help them start their store. That really, mm-hmm. I, I really like that because especially with my connection to the university, we have a teaching background. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I would like to, whether it is storefronts or food trucks, or I really would like to, within the next nine years, figure out how to mm-hmm. empower other people to do this. Mm-hmm. 
No, I agree. I, I, I love I love hearing this. And so, I, I mean, I'll be putting this up. This is sort of a podcast, but if it, was, if it was done, it would already be done. And 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 the reason it's not is because it needs people like it needs the right combination of people to do it. You know, you talk about your fundraising opportunities. Um, I think there's a, a, a parallel to that, to your workforce development that you could work on is that, you know, every high school in the state of Wisconsin or probably in the United States for that matter has got a, 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 a small economic development. They have an economic, you know, like home economics, they used to call it home economics, but now they call it consumer economics or something, um, where they create a little restaurant inside the, 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 the school and they teach people about how to do menu development and how to how to make things and then sell them in a little restaurant inside this, you know, place where they could go get, you know, coffee or they get hamburgers or stuff like that. So. It's, you know, think of a la mini McDonald's with inside, you know, the four walls of a high school. Mm. Right. So I've often thought, well, that's interesting. You know, why wouldn't we also have them manufacture something, you know, manufacture a product and sell it at, the, you know, at the cafeteria, like cookies wow. or pies. All right. And you could do the same thing where you could teach them about, you know, the, co- the product development and then the cost of making it. And then they could actually work in your plant. Um, and so, you know, you could be you could be a bolt on culinary program to almost every high school in America that already has that one. And I know in Wisconsin, almost every high school has that for and, and it's it's a it's a food service model. You know, it's, it's built yeah. for it's a built around helping kids get the skills they have to be able to work at McDonald's for all practical purposes. All right. Yeah. Or quick service skill, restaurants. skill development is really. Yeah. Critical. Yes. So you've got the right kind as a country. You, you, yeah, as I'm saying, you've got the right kind of skill and training in order to be able to um, to really develop a program like that. All right, mm. and launch it. You can test it in you know your local high schools, and that that becomes a model that, frankly, you know every high school in the state of Wisconsin could actually adopt. All right, wow. and you could start creating your your entrepreneurial you know retail outlets to go with it. That'd be crazy. So, yeah, there you go. So that's a free one. All right. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna now that said, that, now you got <laughs> to do the dirty work to do it, right? Well, and like I said, and, and, and it's like some people are like, oh, we, we, we can edit this out maybe. <laughs> but the point is, is that the reality is, I know. Well, no, well, I've, 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 I've offered that solution up to a lot of people and, and nobody's oh, really nobody's biting. It. And, but, it, okay. but it takes somebody like you to do it. So that's the point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it takes somebody with an education background. That's somebody that has an entrepreneurial spirit that works with these groups on workforce development. And then and there's, cause there's a reason for it. It's not just, just for you. It's actually right. because you have that bent on, on developing, you know, the pipeline of people, you know? Um, yeah. And, and like I say, it's not just for you. It's just sort of this larger cause of entrepreneurial development. And, well, uh, and, and so and when I'm, you know, cool. I'm I'm meeting kids in this in this county, and I'm I'm just getting to know this county, and it's it's great. I love it. We're both so mm-hmm. content to be here, my husband and I. Yeah. Um, but you can tell, you know, there's kids that have worked on farms. Um, mm-hmm. there's kids that have worked at farmers markets with their parents or their grandparents, mm-hmm. selling things. Like it's one of the things I think Wisconsin is so good at, is industry mm-hmm. at every level. Um, but then you mm-hmm. can see kids who maybe haven't had that opportunity and mm-hmm. the skill development, it's a night and day contrast. So oh, yeah. somebody mm-hmm. has to, 
you know, fill gaps, right? If you have yeah. the family that's industrious, you're going to have that as part of your upbringing. If you don't, someone's yes. going to have to come alongside you at some point and fill that gap. Yep. And uh, and it's no, expensive exactly. to do it. Yeah. But you see, the yeah. thing is, is that's why, you know, you, your partnerships with workforce development, with high schools, yeah. with whatever that are already doing that, that they can help, yeah. fun, they can help support these programs. They need somebody like you to be able to, to develop the framework of the program, right? Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, they're already busy. They already had full-time jobs before you walked in the door, um, yep. <laughs> you know, and so what you can do is, so instead of, to your point, instead of, you know, you funding it, they can do some funding, but you're providing yeah. the framework. You yeah. know, and and so, you know, and so it becomes a nice collaboration of of everything that wants to happen. Yeah. Um, but it had, you know, but it takes a catalyst, right? Yep. Um, and that and that's sort of what what you can provide in this situation. So I really do strongly recommend you can keep down that path because you're one is being successful for you right now. You've got the right yeah. you've got the right background for it, um, and and it just allows. Um, you know, it really allows for what wants to happen. And, you know, I, I, and that, I, I love to hear it from you and other people when, when I hear that comment about, I, I agree completely. I mean, I grew, I mean, I, you know, sometimes I go, I go, I, nobody talked to me to go to college. You know, in fact, the only reason I went to college is because the economics were, were like, one, it was cheap to go to college back then. I mean, a semester of tuition at university was $300. At what? Madison, right? Whoa. I know. Well, because seventy four percent, seventy four percent of the education at the University of Wisconsin when I was going to school was paid by state, state and federal funding. Um, that's wow. not the seventeen percent now, um, and wow. you know, so it was cheaper. You know, and two, the economy was tanking, so there was a, a, a meltdown in the economy. I was going to be a carpenter. Hmm. There was nobody building houses in nineteen seventy six. And so I didn't get a job in carpentry. So I said, I better go to school. <laughs> you know, I have nothing else to do. And yeah. uh, ended up as an engineer, you know, that worked out great. But, you know, the point is, is that, you know, I didn't have, I, you know, that was a little bit of a razor's edge. I didn't, my, my parents actually had enough money and could have done that, but they never advised me to do that. Mm. Um, and, you know, and nowadays, you know, like I say, it's, 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 you know, the economics are tough and a lot of people don't, you know, there's a lot of people that don't know where to go. Yeah. Right. So providing them, you know, that, you know, this opportunity um, is something that, you know, it takes enlightened minds. It takes people that know how, um, you know, not everybody knows how to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not, it's not a natural thing necessarily. Um, and you've got, you sort of have a gift for it. So I really recommend you, you stay with that. Mm-hmm. Um so good. Um, so now let's, you know, let's sort of come through. We've been talking for a little over an hour now, and, I'm, and I just want to ask you, so lessons learned, um, you know, you've been, you know, you sort of started in Minneapolis, you, you know, the area you, you've got, you know, you, you've come down here, um, you know, you know, as you've gone through this, you've got other people coming down your pack. You're a little earlier in your thing. So you have you know, fewer lessons learned probably and advice maybe to share, but but you still have them. You've learned fast and you failed forward. Um, so <laughs> what ahas and, and and what sort of lessons would you recommend to people? You know, some of the people that are first thinking, I've got an idea. What do I do with this? Any, any, any words see. of wisdom you can share? Well, I definitely think calling the SBDC. That's mm-hmm. to me just completely a no brainer. Um, 
-hmm. getting to know other business people in your community. That was one of the things Mm -hmm. on every trip back and forth from Minnesota, from the time we were looking at the building till the time we moved, I would stop in, spend a few bucks at every business that I could find that was open, say hi, get to know Mm -hmm. people. Um, That, and it, it wasn't, manipulative. It was genuine. It was sincere. Mm -hmm. I was interested and Mm -hmm. I wanted to support, but I would not have been able to predict the ways in which that was reciprocated, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. Be willing, you know, as an entrepreneur, you have so many demands and things you're thinking about and trying to get done, but be willing to help other people. Mm-hmm. find somebody with a priority that's bigger than yours and do one thing. You know, like I think that you can't ever lose sight of that. Also mm-hmm. only fire yourself two times per day. <laughs> you can't, <laughs> you can't fire yourself more than that. Cause then you might not come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. What else, you know, just to, to have that level of comfort with risk, find people that you can talk to that you trust their opinion because you're like we already talked about earlier you're gonna get so many opinions and sometimes it's hard (laughs) to sort through which ones you should or shouldn't listen to and maybe not everybody's like that but for me just to you know have some things in writing that you can go back to and look at to keep yourself grounded um Mm -hmm. I don't know maybe I lost track of your original question yeah, no, that's good. Those are good things. I mean, just sort of top of mind. So sort of the ahas, you know, the, the lessons learned and then so advice, you know, pay it forward advice or I think you've hit on some really good ones. The SBDC one, I'll, 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 I'm going to build on that one for the audience is that, um, you know, I did not know about the SBDC. So the SBDC is the Small Business Development Corporation for the state of Wisconsin. All right. SBA, it's part of the SBA, the Small Business Association from the federal government. Every state in America has an SBA office, all right, in their state. Um, Every state gets to run it the way they want to run it. The state of Wisconsin is run through the University of Wisconsin system. It's actually part of um, IBE, the the University of Wisconsin system, um, uh, Institute of Business and and Innovation. So um, Mm. that's IBE. And and that's where FFI resides. That's where FFI resides. Um, okay. And then in, also in the, in the IBE, the Institute for um, Business and Entrepreneurship, is, um, is this SBDC office, right? So SBDC is part of IBE. And, uh, okay. and, a, and a reason, I, I don't just bring it up to highlight you know, what we do, but when I, was in, when I worked at Oscar Mayer, Sargento, Palermo's and such, I didn't even know they existed. You get a free consultant. You just go sign up on their portal and you everybody that signs up gets a free consultant. Now, not they're they're industry agnostic, all right? That's okay because they're good generally, you know, minimally they're going to be good business people and they're good business consultants. That's, you know, and I'm not and that's not to say, say nothing about it. but they also, you know, reside as I said within IBE, they reside, you know, we're food experts, the FFI. Mm-hmm. So as they continue to, and, and they've all, and they've all been trained on food finance, um, you know, financing a food and beverage industry. So that's the good news mm-hmm. is that FFI has actually worked with every SBDC office and made sure that they understand the nuances around food. Um, so that mm-hmm. even while they are sort of industry agnostic, um, they have a special bent around food, which they should because the state of Wisconsin is heavily invested in food. Um, between agriculture, 
and and food and beverage and then if you list and then if you include retail grocery and all the food sales that occur it's about 60 percent of our gdp all right wow um so yeah you know i mean 30 percent of it is is, is th about 30 to 40 percent of it is actually food and beverage manufacturing including agriculture and then if you take that to market you know that's the grocery retail market markup you know so you start looking at you know the retail side of the world of it all um, mm -hmm. it's literally, you know, like say it's, it's almost two thirds of our, of our, of our existence, which makes sense because everybody eats food every day. All right. Um, and so hopefully, um, <laughs> and, um, yeah. And, and so, you know, the nice thing about the SBDC office, as I said, they, they give you that, they give everybody a business consultant and they're good. They, yeah. The one thing they're really good at, by the way, is some general accounting and, and business finance. And then they know local bankers. Um, they know yeah. the CDFIs. They know, they know all those outlets. And I tell you, you know, having, having a good finance person on your team is always a great thing. So I really, you, you brought, you brought it up and I'm glad you did. So I could do my little infomercial on it. Um, but uh, it, it's, it's, I didn't know they existed. They're, they're excellent they're an excellent resource. As I said, I, well, I've and to I've talked to the last five years. Yeah, I've talked to a couple right. of other people too. And, you know, sometimes if you're, let's say that you're a person who kind of just sees the broad, the big picture, but mm -hmm. maybe you don't know the first step, you know, how do you eat that elephant? What's the first bite, right? Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I know somebody and each, each consultant is going to be their own personality and their own like yep. you said, have their yep. own specialties. So it's not like they're going to be able to do your work for you. But I know somebody mm -hmm. who their consultant called them every couple of weeks, you know, whatever they had set up and said, okay, how did mm -hmm. you do on what we talked about last time we talked? And they would mm -hmm. say, well, I made this, mm -hmm. that, and the other progress. And I said, okay, what's your next step? And sometimes that's mm -hmm. just what you need is the help to get the ball rolling. And yeah. then us moving from Minnesota, I didn't know anybody. Which in hindsight, mm -hmm. again, I, I'm like – um, <laughs> how did we do all this? You know, cause I don't know. I know. I, I sit back <laughs> like, sometimes I scratch my head. Like, Why are you doing this? I, I still haven't <laughs> quite figured that out, Rachel, but, but I'm glad you're here. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I tell you, I, 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 and I'm glad you brought it up because I said it at most, you know, people that hopefully people listening to this podcast realize that there are resources out there for entrepreneurship. I mean, that's one thing that's happening in in, in spades um, across many different you know levels: SBA, USDA. You know, um, there's most every major association in the world. You know, FMI. They have a whole group of people for entrepreneurship and how to support you know emerging food brands. Um, it's a, it's really, it's a really a good thing. Um, as I said, I grew up in big food with self-contained ecosystems. Didn't know mm. these resources exist. There's a wealth of them out there. The, the one problem we have with them is that they're not well connected with each other. Um, even FFI yeah. and SBDC, while we were in the same office and, you know, I didn't really realize, you know, the full value of them. You know, I wasn't with FF. I've only been with FFI for like a year and a half now, but before that with Fab Wisconsin, I knew FFI, I knew SBDC. I didn't even realize they were in the same office, um, honestly. And, and so, you know, and I'm, and I'm connected to the industry. All right. So, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's a type of thing. That's the one downside is that there's a lot of great resources out there. If you haven't found what you're looking for, keep asking because yep, reality is it's probably, it's, it's probably out there. 
All right. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the reality is there are a lot of great resources. Um, yeah. So um, and, and SBDC in the state of Wisconsin is a great resource. Um, yeah, for sure. So anyways. All right. So let's uh, other than that, um, anything else that, you know, comes across your mind as we talk about your your journey of, of growing sweet peas pies um, that you'd like to share with uh, with our audience? Well, I think one thing we faced and especially, you know, this is industry wide from what I understand is resource procurement. So some of the ingredients that we needed, like, for example, with this, these fundraisers where we just did that many pies being brand new, having a new relationship with vendors, we came across multiple resources being unavailable. And mm -hmm. that um, could definitely deter certain people. <laughs> Those kind of things tend to rev me up a little bit. So I just got on the phone and I said, here's the bottom line deal. I need you to be my partner. And that really has been my attitude. Like I, I don't call to complain. I call, mm -hmm. I find the person who can help me, you know, maybe the person that I got on the phone the first time won't have an answer. And I'll just say, Hey, can you direct me to the, the close, the closest to the action person, you know, and get mm -hmm. on the phone with them. And I said, here's my problem. Here's when I need it solved. I'm asking, can you part with partner with me to solve it? And I just need a yes or a no. I don't need a promise. I don't need a maybe. Are you my partner mm -hmm. for this problem? And if the answer was no, mm -hmm. that was fair enough. Right? Like I just needed mm -hmm. to know what was realistic. Yeah, don't waste so my time. To, yeah. 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 So I could know yeah. how to solve the problem. But that has really led me to, I think, whether or not it used to be true, like you were saying, the 30-year stint at a place. My mm -hmm. husband's mom worked at Honeywell literally from the time she was 18 till the time she retired. And then she went mm -hmm. to work for Target for another 17 years. So, but mm -hmm. that generation has kind of come and gone, right? So mm -hmm. I have found that I need somebody here in my hometown that's a vendor. So I buy my honey mm -hmm. from somebody right around the corner and mm -hmm. I make a big deal about it. I have a mm -hmm. sticker that she printed for me that I put on that pie. I mention it all the time. I'm mentioning it now. I bought pumpkins for her. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to find ways that she can grow. Because I know that mm -hmm. somebody in my hometown that has a product I need is really important to me right now. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. if I could only make two pies, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. if my life yeah. depended on it, she's right there. She's right my there. neighbor. So, yeah. yeah. And, is that and the then, farm that I drove by on the way in town? Mayberry Farms. She's only like an hour yes. and a half away. Yes. 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 Oh my gosh. Yes. She's awesome. Our honey pie, which <laughs> we will become known for. It's already starting. Yeah. Brian Camp good. from Fox 6 in Milwaukee tasted it. He loves it. So it's got to be good. Cramp. Yeah, good. Right, cramp. Anyway, so cramp. Yeah. really having multiple levels of partnerships with vendors. So I have, mm -hmm. you know, like your typical stereotypical that you would expect vendor who's kind of more of a big name vendor, but then I have mm -hmm. some local vendors and then I have a backup vendor mm -hmm. too. And mm -hmm. it's more work for me, right? Because I can't just say to one person, here's what I need. I'm having to mm -hmm. balance out who I buy from what. Sometimes it's a little more expensive from one mm -hmm. person over another, but just investing mm -hmm. in those relationships and not having all my eggs mm -hmm. in one basket. I feel like yep. that's something that moving forward is going to become more and more important in the food industry. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, no, I agree. I think having uh, diversity in your supply chain, by the way, is that is a very it's going to it's a trending topic. I'll trust me on that. Um, mm, you know, because okay. the supply chain issues that have occurred um, nationally, um, people have gotten. You know, it, it's been you know once again coming from a big food perspective. I mean, at Oscar Mayer, we used to do things that were you wouldn't even think about. We would literally blend an entire semi load of meat to make sure we knew the, the exact and fat moisture content right yeah. of that truckload yeah. all right yeah um, people don't think like that you know because you know because it was very important for us to get 100 percent out out of a process um yeah. because you're making millions of you know you know millions if not billions of units you know that kind of thing yeah and uh and so you had to be perfect right well that create right. that that tightness of perfection you know if something doesn't come in right you've got a problem and that's what you're that what you that's what you've seen you know, with a lot of the slaughtering plants being, you know, restricted on their on the amount of, uh, if, a, if a cow does not get harvested within, you know, plus or minus a few weeks, they get to be too big for a line. All right. Yeah. And, and so when they get to be too big for a line, now where do we put these cows? So all yeah. of a sudden, all this great precision is good. All right. When it works, when it doesn't work, all of a sudden, what do we do? And so, you know, as and, and COVID and sort of this, this supply chain disruption that occurred has sort of shown there's a little bit of vulnerability. Don't go too far. Have a little more diversity in your supply chain so that, you know, that it just in case, you know, you've got a back. Well, you know. and I'm even looking at my product, right? My product is pie. That's mm -hmm. pretty narrow. And one of the things that we can <laughs> <find> is... <laughs> Is the plastic yeah, pie pans or whatever? Yeah, pie. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so it was. It was to the point where I was like, "Okay, do I just put out a Facebook cry like every yeah. vintage store and cupboard and hey, if you're not using yeah. your nine inch pie tins, please yeah. drop them yeah. off at my door." Or hey, by the way, yeah. from now on, when you pick up your product, you have to bring your own cake cover or you know, like how yeah, am I yeah, going to do yeah. this type of a thing? So. I think it has me thinking a little bit of pie is never going to not be my core product, but mm -hmm. in the way that I've diversified between wholesale, isn't my only customer retail, isn't my only customer, mm -hmm. you know, I kind of have three streams going there. I'm mm -hmm. also kind of mm -hmm. thinking it's not too bad of an idea. Like with the ice cream, that was pretty mm -hmm. smart. Um, mm -hmm. I have some local artists that are bringing their things here Okay, that seems pretty mm -hmm. smart. You know, diversifying enough that if push came to shove, I'd still have something, even if it was for a week or mm -hmm. two. Um, yeah. There's not much I can do. I'm always going to need flour shortening and water, right? Like yeah. somehow yeah. Yeah. I have to find a way to store enough of that that if I needed to make it through a couple of months, I could. So I am, I am kind of considering do I need to become my own storage facility at least for a mm -hmm. small amount mm -hmm. of my key components because yeah. – we definitely can't have kind of that balancing act when yeah. we're bigger than we are now. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. As you grow, the one thing, there's a couple things on that nature. First off, you know, some of the decisions you make when you're smaller, you can do and you should do probably. Right. Um, and then in, I, I always like to refer back to some of these big brands. I mean, Sargento, you know, like I said Leonard Gentine and when he ran, when he founded that company and ran it, it's a considerably different company than it is today, you know, and, and there's a reason for it. There's a lot of good reasons for it, right? But today you wouldn't make that same decision because they're a national brand and they've got a whole different set of you know demands on their business and their financials. Um, so 
decisions you make when you're small are one thing. Decisions when you get bigger, you you might change. You might get rid of a division, you know, that kind of thing. Some mm-hmm. a, a channel of business just because it's no longer it's no longer valid. You know, it, it it's yeah. not where your focus of your business is. So don't yeah. you know? So don't look at don't hold on to holy grails and just say you can never do that. But you, but you have to. That's why you have to have. A, that's why I always come back to our earlier discussion about you have to have a plan because if you don't have a plan, any road takes you there. Right. And so, yeah. you know, but have a horizon for that plan. And 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 then there's some due diligence that goes along with it. And then and then additionally, um, the, not only due diligence, but once you start getting into a certain direction and a certain scale of business and you've got 100 people working for you, or a thousand people yeah. working for you, that kind of thing. Yeah. All of a sudden, there's, you know, the, your your level of being right, you know, and accurate is much more important because big yeah. mistakes can affect a lot of people. You know, yeah, not just you in the business. That's true. You know, yeah. and so, uh, you know, it, it, it's a different, you know, it's, it's sort of an evolution. I mean, so that especially for businesses that want to hold and control their business. Now, if you're going to sell your business, that's a whole separate thing. You know, then of you're course. setting it set. Then you want to set it up for really good revenue streams and that all it needs is some capital to scale it. And, and that's why bigger companies say, yeah, I like that brand. I like what they've done. I can scale that. All right. Um, and then you sell it. That's, you know, for you then, you know, you, you have a different set of criteria, you know, to build your plan around. So, mm-hmm. um, but, but in your case, no, you're talking about more of a legacy. There's a little bit of an, a different business model. I always talk about when companies, one thing we didn't talk about in this, but one of the first things I almost always, well, I do almost all the time, if I, if it's just more of a random discussion, but when I, we do it a hundred percent of the time in our fellows programs is, um, is that we fill out a business model canvas. And my first question is, what's your exit strategy? Right. And, and, and some people are like, well, what do you mean by that? And I'm like, well, I mean, I, I don't want to exit. Well, good. That's a good decision. There's no right or wrong answer. But but if you're going to, no, I want to build it to three to four million in sales and then sell it to Coca-Cola, you know, that kind of thing um, for a hundred million, you know, like, okay, well then you better, you have to have a certain value proposition. You have to have, there is a totally different business model than, what you're talking about on more of a building up a company that's going to stand the test of time and you're going to be managing it um, mm-hmm. because you definitely need to, you know, have an operations. Whereas if you're selling off to McDonald's you know, or to, 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 to Coca-Cola or, you know, some large brand, they already know how to manufacture things and sure. they have the supply chain figured out for all practical purposes. Um, you know, what they need is the idea and the market space and the brand, you know? And so, mm-hmm. What, you know, you know, so it's a different, it's a different set of action items that you would do in a business. So as you look at growing your business, we'll, you know, we can talk more offline on this, but um, we definitely want to make sure you, you know, we, we sit back and make sure we understand that extra strategy and then sort of the core value props that you're working on and then, and then make sure the plans are there to, to grow it. So, and you're doing a lot of this already. So that's the good news. Yeah. Um, you know, some of it is just continuing to build that relationship. Sometimes opportunities come that you you didn't see coming, like in a way you knew, mm-hmm. like with this building, with this town, with mm-hmm. how Wisconsin is so geared toward food. We really didn't mm-hmm. realize that. We just sort of happened upon it, and it has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. that this has given us the foundation now to say, the answer the questions that you're asking What's three years? What's six years? What's nine years? What's exit? Um, mm-hmm. Because we kind of see where we fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
No, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it, like I said, there's part of it as a planning process and the other part of it is, you know, is obviously you. I mean, because I said some people, so I, I work with a lot, all kinds of entrepreneurs and, and, you know, I, it's funny to work with some of them. They're like, they, they get a business to three to 5 million and they want to sell it. <laughs> they don't like to run a business. They like to start a business. Oh. And, and, and there's, they're very good at it. I mean, and, and it's pretty interesting to watch. Um, you know, and then if they do it right and they sell it for good money, then they now all of a sudden they, they have luxury of lessons learned from the first startup. You know, they don't there replicate and they start another business and they do a good job of that. And then they sell that one. Um, well, and, and it's it's just, yeah, it's like, so, you know, be be good at what you're good at. Um, Which game so, do you want to play? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. exactly. So. That's fun. Well, that's good. Well, I, I, this has been, a, it's been fun. I, I tell you, I always love uh, uh, talking to you and working with you, Rachel, and your team. And, and um, it was fun coming over to see your your uh, your grand opening, by the way. I love uh, it. It was one of the highlights. Yes, I loved <laughs> that you came. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Um, nice, it was a nice road trip. It's a beautiful city and it's a beautiful ride out there. Um, yeah. So I'm looking forward to, to you know, you know, we'll, maybe we'll do a follow up on this in a year or so to see where we've come. Oh, that'd be great. Make sure I listen to this yeah. one first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you will. will. <laughs> All righty. Well, with that said, uh, we'll sign off and yep. And we'll be we'll be talking to you. All right. Take care. All right. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening. You can get more podcasts by subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And you can learn more about Edible Alpha and the Food Finance Institute by visiting our website at ediblealpha.org.